me in 2023 thinking about how much I love eating fried chicken. My great, 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 great grandmother chasing a chicken around (laughs) her front yard, looking at me, asking, wait, you eat chicken too? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Me tearing up and saying, yeah, we just... We just have all these flavors like flaming hot Cheetos and um spicy buffalo sauce <laughs> and scene. Hi, Don't you guys just love history? <laughs> yes. Humans are so cute, y'all. <laughs> you guys don't like the comment section. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I love when people oh, I actually can't say I love that when people are like, humans are so cute, like oh, humanity. Something like humans aren't cute. What are you talking about? Yeah, I like when people go like, "Oh, the humanity!" Like in old <laughs> movies. I think that is cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that is actually a really cool thing to say because of the human condition. But yeah, well, hi everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Nymphet Alumni. I'm Biz. I'm Sam, and I'm Alexi. <laughs> so we did a historical reenactment at the top of this episode. Partially for fun, because we all do like chicken and fried chicken and all of that. But also because we wanted to um, get things started talking about this week's episode topic, which is basically like historical reenactment and period piece costume drama vibes trending on TikTok and in the culture in general. Yeah, I think maybe probably the most popular example of this would be a TikTok by Harvali who is um, kind of like a fashion influencer on TikTok. And he made a TikTok captioned POV, you're immortal. And he dressed up as like someone from like the 1570s, from the 1690s, all the way into like the 2020s. Um, And that got 7.1 million likes on TikTok, which is crazy. Uh, So obviously this is this type of historical cosplay speaks to a lot of people. He also is clearly very young. And owns, for some reason or another, an enormous amount of archival, beautiful, nice clothing from different historical periods, which I don't fully understand. But I actually loved that video because I think the average person has a knowledge of fashion history just in the terms of like decades of the 20th century. Like we can imagine what 1950s looks like and what like the 80s looks like because it's so recent. But his specificity of 1570s and like, (laughs) you know, 18th century clothing, I was really happy to see that because I think before the um, turn of the like 20th century, everything kind of blurs into just like historical for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'm excited about with the... um, period piece renaissance yeah i like that point because i was thinking about how this kind of trend of period piece costuming has uh, developed over the past few years and i was thinking about how there was a big boom in historical like like a blanket historical dress after the release of bridgerton at the end of 2020 and i think we saw this like really hideous regency core trend come out of it that was just like like fake pearls and lots of sheer pastel fabrics and the cheap Amazon corset. But now it's becoming a lot more, I don't know, it's like a, a winchy and yeah. It's like less... pirate core, like a little yeah. bit. It's melding into, like it's becoming more fantasy and I think it's melding into almost like post-apocalyptic style of dressing. Yes, yeah. It's like 
very pleasing to me to see futurism kind of meld with like ancient history which we talked about with like dune <laughs> i think probably yeah. um but yeah i like the the tattered period piece mm-hmm. renaissance part yeah of that. and i think the corset really is like the mascot of this whole thing because there's just been so much discourse around it and like the perversions and different forms that it's taken the corset as instagram baddie waist trainer the corset as vivian westwood's like staple piece that's the most coveted item on depop of all time the amazon corset like the green and gold one that actually mm-hmm. it's just like why those colors like why was that the colorway with this weird ornamental flourishing pattern that it just seems so ahistorical like I don't I can't see that existing in any time do you know what I mean yeah I think there's a lot of stuff that's interesting about the previous historical trends because they are so ahistorical but obviously it's just kind of taking influence from um previous history but what I like about kind of more modern conceptions of it something that really drew my attention to this was Chris Pine um randomly enough I just saw like I followed just Jared on Instagram and I saw them post this like photo of him walking around with these like crazy high-waisted pants and wearing loafers and no socks and something about the way he was dressed it was just giving like Mr. Darcy like so historically accurate really classy and nicely tailored and I just feel like um I would like to see more stylists kind of taking on this sort of like I'm not saying how he was dressed was historically accurate but something like about period piece costuming especially in like movies that win awards for their historically accurate costuming like I think in general like stylists and people that like to dress themselves nice they should take cues from the accuracy and like attention to detail that I've been saying from certain people especially on TikTok um yeah I feel like stylists were trying to do that in the huge Vivian Westwood boom following 2019 but I think they got a little bit lost in the sauce. Like I particularly think about this one outfit that Dua Lipa wore to like maybe the Brits that was like a full Vivian Westwood look. But I think it just, it almost like it just became too much with the Vivian Westwood. But now Vivian Westwood mm-hmm. is dead. So um, she rest in peace. Yeah. She, wait, I want to show you guys this look. It's like, I feel like this is, I'm going to send it in the chat. It's like, a, it's just a, a different era yeah there's something about i think it also has to do with oh, oh yeah, yeah this is weird yeah there's something about the um like couture and high fashion in the 90s that like the mood board community is so obsessed with but i would say like the trifecta of kind of costumey high fashion of this time was vivian westwood john galliano and christian lacroix like they were mm-hmm. always making these historical references and their runways were these like extravaganzas of historicism and glam and like high camp I would say so that seems to be like a consistent reference yeah and you know, like the of... amount of times I see the makeup from that one Galliano show where it's like the sun and the moon like it's insane I see that every day oh, I see that yeah. more than I see my parents probably <laughs> yeah there's this one Galliano show which is spring summer in 1994 that everyone has like a massive boner for it's that picture of Kate Moss wearing a hoop skirt like flitting down the runway Mm-hmm. yeah um I actually just read about this like for ID but I think they cut it out of the article um but uh yeah that that period of the 90s with this historical detail was really scrumptious you know what's kind of interesting about that too 
Um, because right now I do see this a lot, and it's kind of like the bratsification of a lot of this like 90s archival stuff, especially this like I don't know, these like Mark Jacobs boots type thing combined yeah. with like a corset or something like that. It's very like cartoonish. But I remember watching something about um kind of like the other side of of fashion during those times and and people like um Alexander McQueen and a lot of other um designers had like a huge resentment for people like Galliano because they felt like there was no wearability to their clothing and um they started kind of responding with like super hyper minimalist and clean aesthetics which is kind of like reflected in the modern day a little bit because I feel like um the other side of like the cartoonish like Bratz dollification like Vivian Westwood archival fashion is very like clean girl like sleek minimalist very few um accessories that sort of thing and I just find that like an interesting thing but there is even even 90s minimalism is trending right now like the brand Mm -hmm. um what is it all it's a gentle spring is that what it's called yeah yeah I think it's like um and they do like crazy almost like corporate gray corsets so it's but yeah, they first went viral for these like corsets, which is why mm-hmm. it's been crazy to see their kind of like rebrand. That's very like office chic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like how they make corsets out of what looks like like office swivel chair fabric, <laughs> basically. Yeah, um, their OG corsets were kind of pretty, like the twall, and they I think the the lacing looks like historically accurate, oh, sexy. Like I, I hate they- nothing more than that. Like the the v boning of the corset that is like the original vivian westwood design i feel like i went to target the other day and there were like bikinis that were designed to look like that do you know what i mean like yeah something about it it's just been distorted so much to not even be like it's not even have the same architecture that a corset is supposed to have like it's it's just a design that gets slapped on top of stuff vestigial organ like your yeah it really is it's like your appendix bursting (laughs) yeah it it is it's really easy to like fuck that up in fast fashion because it is like i mean especially corsets it's like that's like the worst possible item of clothing to put into the circulation of fast fashion because it takes so much skill to like build something that's actually flattering and that's gonna like change your body like that and i mean it was like literally like corsets from the beginning have been something that have been incredibly like you get like one for your life or something like that and then it just like changes the shape of your body I just feel like it's like a medical tool or even Mm -hmm. like a pair of like really good shoes like it it's not meant to be in fast fashion circulation and I feel like it just distorts your body in like the wrong way whenever you get it done cheaply the other corset that went super viral was the urban outfitters modern love corset which I feel like was the nail in the coffin because oh you should look it up like if you go to any like small college town like three girls will be wearing this top with like jeans in a bar it has potential no it doesn't actually like oh yeah no this is this is something that like um I mean this is just the average kind of girl in a small town you're right like in Corpus I saw a lot of people wearing this and this has kind of stopped though because I've seen even like um even in like college towns and stuff, I feel like Austin is kind of in the middle between a small and a big town. But even in smaller towns, people have kind of stopped dressing like this and people have opted for something more like maybe even like girl bloggery. Like that's kind of gotten way more popular. Um, but with the hold on, I was going to say something. I lost it. Somebody somebody saved me. Oh, I was just going to say on the point about the corset being the worst object to mass produce. Also, like, the Vivian Westwood corset, which is the conical V shape, is, like, I'm sure we all know this, but it's based off of 
18th century stays, which were like a much earlier form of the corset prior to the kind of what we think of the modern corset as like really cinching in the waist um, and giving that hourglass figure. And like the main purpose was like supporting the titty, you know? So it was yeah. like, it really did have a, a purpose besides giving you a snatched waist. But obviously when you put that into like a Target factory, you're not going to support the titty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what always gets me about the corsets. It's like, it's not even an item of clothing. It's literally like a t- tool or like a machine or something. It's like almost like a, a plastic surgery. It's more medical than it is almost like fashion. Yeah, you it know? is like a medical device, which is why, yeah. yeah, big moment for girls that have scoliosis braces. You can start incorporating <laughs> that into your outfits. Wait, I have, so a, I have a thing I want to ask. So yeah, okay. we were talking about like the Bridgerton you know the damage that did to society <laughs> <laughs> but i do think bridgerton did unleash something into the world that was good which is like it made period dramas or like historical dramas more accessible because they were like diversely cast because i feel like if you had like a vested interest before in like jane austen type period pieces like people would could always like clap back at you and be like oh like white people in england like you know it's so not diverse so something about the fantasy of bridgerton i guess like did get people into historicism with like a healthy amount of revision but I feel like there are a few brands today that promote this type of like big gown imaginative girly like hyper feminine dressing like do you guys know the brand Selkie it's like these huge frilly dresses with big puff sleeves that always they're like super viral on Instagram stuff like that and then also like Love Shack Fancy Mm mm-hmm like I don't even know what to call this it's like the neo-romanticism <laughs> like I feel like it's like Victorian baby at her christening a little bit I wish um, I feel like that's what people are trying to do now is like wearing <laughs> a goddamn bonnet and stuff again but yeah, yeah. This, is true. this is more like I mean Selkie is really interesting because it was founded by the founder slash ex-owner of Wild Fox Couture oh. you guys recall so yeah. I feel like she was really she had so much experience like I kind of in the garment industry and I feel like she was really trying to make something they would sell and it did you know what I mean like it has mm-hmm. that kind of mass production vibe mm-hmm. um in an interesting interesting way yeah this is a world yeah. in a chokehold and it also yeah like the um the there are like two types of style it's like in the modern day and not to at the risk of sounding overly simplistic it's like people who have like that super hyper sleek, like angular geometric style or people who who wear giant items of clothing. And it just like, it, it trickles into even the most like disconnected area, like parts of like youth culture, you know? Like people that don't even care about fashion, like they still kind of dress in either of those two categories. What I thought was interesting is that um that one TikTok I just referenced, um I forget his name. I actually love him. Like if anyone makes fun of him, they're over yeah no he's awesome Harvali is the same um what's funny is that like the way he dresses normally is literally like textbook bellabot which is really funny like he's wearing like all those like motorcycle jackets and like um the little glasses and then whenever he put like 2022 it was just office chic like that was what he diagnosed the culture as like what what our our time will be defined by is like office chic so I actually like hearing his take on this or seeing his take on this because like I do wonder what our period of time, like what people will look back on it and think is like the style of the times. And I think Office Chic might actually be it. 
and like Bella bought dress because like everything else is too referential to other periods of time. But in this the past is few more... weeks, I've, I feel like I've been seeing a lot more people like reflecting on style from 2020. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like the kid core, like tiny sunglasses, fast fashion. I think people have been reflecting a lot. Yeah, on like the first wave of cores because mm-hmm. now we look back and they seem like really corny like cottage core obviously was the first but then even like the regency core i think regency core was like the first example of something that felt like slightly manufactured by netflix fashion publication <laughs> netflix and like fashion publications <laughs> that had to like churn out these trend pieces and like what the latest mm-hmm. tiktok trend is because i remember mm-hmm. seeing so many pieces on like regency core by like l magazine or something um yeah what was that that was very weird because like I guess you could see it a little on TikTok but you'd have to be such a niche and like um hyper focused person to really obtain a closet that is anywhere near similar to Regency Core and the corset thing didn't really even have anything to do I think with period pieces in the media like it had to do with like Vivian Westwood revival right but I think people were just wanting to give a name to this this Vivian Westwood pearl choker, Amazon corset, silky dress, faction of people online. And then it was, yeah, it was at the period where people, like I said, were really still obsessed with like, what's the next core? They're so crazy. Like, can you believe mm. there's a Regency core even exists type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Right, but yeah. That, that was so like unreal. Like people were just making videos being like, what I would look like if I were in Bridgerton. And then like for fashion publications to run with that and be like, like act like it's a way that you would ever see anyone dressing like I think cottagecore actually did have an impact on the fashion industry and like the community super mainstream well. brands like Abercrombie and stuff are like selling cottagecore dresses Huge at this point yeah. but and it's still in circulation at Ross which is like how you know something really took a chokehold on the culture I really yeah. I think I remember early 2020 being a little bit shocked that like internet styles were being found at Ross I was like oh this is like really a thing mm-hmm. I think the the kind of connection between cottage core and regency core is the viral strawberry dress by the mm. designer lyrica matoshi because it was it first came up through its popularity in the cottage core community but it has a lot of visual overlap with what people think of in terms of regency core because it's like a formal gown there's lots of pastel color and like layers of tulle mm-hmm. yeah Make that was me like a... rest in peace yeah i totally forgot about that I'm like, I've wow, been, we've like, been podcasting for like a long time, haven't we? I know. We? <laughs> that was oh, the strawberry crazy. dress. It's going to be us in a nursing home. I know. I'm obsessed with that dress, though, because I feel like it's such an interesting example of like what type of things went viral on TikTok before people started criticizing micro trends because it was just mm-hmm. so visually arresting. Like, cottagecore as an aesthetic was supposed to be very simple, very kind of neutral colors and pretty simple silhouettes but then the thing that came out of it that was as was viral was literally like the most flamboyant ass glitter strawberry dress Mm -hmm. it was crazy yeah it was like monkey see monkey do like we Mm -hmm. saw like a glittery strawberry on our on our screen yeah i think there's just a lot of people who see like fashion as fantasy and that went viral on twitter just so many times being like it would be a dream to own this dress Uh, and like i don't think people actually want to own it like i think they just want to like take a picture in it Exactly, um, yeah. and I don't know I'm, I'm very happy these days it seems like we're shifting away from like viral individual items of clothing which I think like 
2020 people were just like coveting these specific items and now I feel like on TikTok what's performing well is just like an overall holistic attitude towards styling like people like um Matilda Jerf like none of the individual items she owns are that special or unique or like you won't see people being like I need this but it's just like her overall swag yeah it's like energy and also like like a physical language and stuff yeah and one of those viral tiktok guys wisdom k he like i don't know is like tiktok's favorite fashion creator he's just really good at styling yeah he's an og he's from like prior to the strawberry dress era as well yeah Um, yeah that's good to know that i mean this is also something i wanted to get into in this episode is that i feel like um this has always been the case on tiktok but increasingly now i feel like people are seeing tiktok as a vessel for educational content it kind of reminded me of of uh some of the discourses in the like mid 2000s surrounding TLC and the History Channel, like TLC <laughs> being like the Learning Channel, and everyone would joke about that. And they were like, "Why is my 600 pound life like on the Learning Channel?" You know, <laughs> um, and like History Channel kind of airing that mermaid documentary that was fake, and everyone freaked out because they were like, "You're supposed to be the History Channel. Like, why are you doing like a fictional documentary or whatever?" Yeah, Ancient and- Aliens was also on the History Channel, right? Yeah, Ancient Aliens, and I feel like, oh, that is kind of like an interesting thing that has carried over into like the new media age. This sort of like like mixture and melting of highbrow and lowbrow um, content. Like, I feel like a lot of people do super well on TikTok talking about like like historical facts and trying to contextualize certain things and giving like really bite-sized educational content morsels or whatever but obviously like they shouldn't be taken too too seriously or too close to heart because I feel like I've discovered especially the past couple of years like some real like messed up like misinformation like this this one guy the okay I have like a conspiracy about that guy with like the rare bookstore the bald guy with the with the glasses do you guys know who I'm talking about I think mm-hmm. I've I've seen him tag in some videos before. He has he has like a suspicious amount of rare books. He has like a Gutenberg Bible. He has like George Washington's personal notebook. He has like a piece of George Washington's hair. Um, he has like first <laughs> editions of every possible historical book ever. And I just don't buy it. I think it's like an edutainment thing. I think that's like a term that was invented by Walt Disney in the 50s because he was like entertainment should be educational whatever but I think it's like people on TikTok can become aware of the fact that it's like such a mindless activity if they don't see a little bit of edutainment every every once in a while personally as a educational TikToker I would say (laughs) that I think what something people really like about it is like so you see a girl wearing a corset on your TikTok feed a billion times and then some bitch shows up saying here's the history of that corset. It really like contextualizes what you're seeing on your feed already, which once again, Alexi, like you said, kind of makes you feel like you're- You're not wasting time. Yeah. You have TikTok. Yeah, it's not like so compulsive and like you are kind of learning more about the world through your scrolling. Yeah, this is real. Also just like historical sensationalism does really well on TikTok. I feel like this is something that has- it's just kind of like ancient always happened you know because like we are I was thinking about this too this type of like historical storytelling we always hear stories about like Mata Hari or Hannibal like crossing the Alps with the elephants you know I think it's always been kind of a like history has always been kind of a form of entertainment but it is it is weird seeing it in 
um, and the formats of like new media. I was talking to my dad about this, who was born in, in the early 50s, and um, he was talking about his historical fascinations um, when he was a child. And I just kind of said to him, like, obviously, this is influenced by the media of the time, right? And he just like laughed in my face. It was like, there was no media of the time. Like, I didn't grow up with any media. And I was just kind of like shocked. Because I can't even imagine a world like that. Like, you know, he didn't have like a TV and shit. <laughs> like he just grew up in like San, San Antonio and like had like newspapers every once in a while. But um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think that we are a a podcast. I think like radio was kind of the OG form of of educational entertainment as well. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Should we talk? I'm sorry. No, what were you going to say? Maybe it's the same thing. Um, I just want to talk about the, to just get more specific than like period Peace Corps. Let's talk about um, like medieval stuff, like give girls a sword, Caroline Polachek that yes. facet of this I um, love that. stuff yeah much to say well I think that that medieval princess medieval wench vibe has always been really attractive to young women but I will say I do think there's something about the the pop girlies Caroline Polachek's album cover pang from 2019 where she's wearing like a white boned pair of stays and like heroically climbing up a ladder that I feel was like really influential on this and then also specifically that picture of fiona apple wearing chain mail which i mm. think exists this photo exists right yeah i i this like rang, rang a bell um, yeah there's definitely like this like genre of pop girls who are kind of like fair maidens i don't know i feel like it's more joan of arc like they're always kind of armed it's yeah, that's true hardcore, yeah but like even their long long hair and stuff like that oh, like yeah. i feel like there's something it's like a mix of the two maybe yeah i think it was it's like um it's kind of like a a little bit of a gender bending cosplay because i think there is like two sides of it but they're both embodied by women because i i think something that went super viral was chloe's 70s halloween costume where she was dressed as joan of arc but the joan of arc from like the Smith song where she she has like a pair of um like a Walkman or whatever. Do you know that Smith song where it's like uh um like sweetness, sweetness, I was only joking when I said what what does that have to do with Joan of Arc? Cause uh, the like uh and now I know how Joan of Arc felt. Now I know how Joan of Arc felt. Oh, the <laughs> yeah the lyrics are like she dressed up as the Joan of Arc from that song and that went really viral with a lot of the girls um there's no there's a lot of there's a lot of good music references though because even back in like 2016 there was a viral tweet or something that said like give Carly Rae Jepsen a sword yes. so there's always oh okay Alexi, Megan, like Megan definitely has like a sword. Mm. Like me and Megan. Oh, yeah, no, she party. does. Yeah, her birthday, birthday party, she was wearing chain mail and had a sword and like a suit of armor. That was also yeah. my birthday party. But wait, no, we're talking about the most recent one. Maybe she does oh. this every birthday. Party. Maybe she does every birthday. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it's just, it's just, it's lingered in the pop scene for some reason. Also, if I may, do you guys know jo- Joanna Newsom? I used to be so obsessed with yeah, her. Of course, yeah. She's like the OG, like Baroque pop chamber folk yeah. girly. And yeah. her album covers are like oil paintings and she plays the harp. And 
I really wish she would come back. Yeah, she's she's in too deep. She's been stigmatized by Andy Samberg and has not made any sense. (laughs) I I think also like there was a big thing in the 2010s with going to Renaissance fairs, which Alexia, Mm -hmm. you publicly made fun of me for outside of a bar on like First Avenue. Wait, Um, what are you talking about? Yes, I was like, I was talking about, I was like, I love Renaissance fairs, and you were like, that is so Columbia core. (laughs) And I was like. Stop. I think don't say that in front of my friends. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but I love her. I mean, well, like wearing elf ears, that was obviously oh, that's shit, been such yeah. a big thing. Wait, um, also La Pavona. Did you guys ever end up reading that book? I read it. it was no, it was a good book, but it I remember there were a lot of like memes around that time. It's like the girl bloggers trying to like aestheticize like Lapvona and it was um <laughs> It was hard to do because she really did make that time seem like so shitty and like even though it was medieval there was like no fantasy involved it was just like it was giving like eyeball falling out and like everyone had dysentery so well this but, one, I always like find medieval fetishization really interesting I think it almost I forgot to say this during the spiritual bimbo core episode but that is also kind of like a crunchy thing you know like fairy yeah. medieval core mm-hmm. so I think it has just like a really broad appeal to to like all it's like all ages all type of aesthetic inclinations people just really like medieval cosplaying because you can have like a really like chic thing or it could be kind yeah. of crunchy or like a horse squirrel thing you know I think as a future crunchy parent, it comes from the desire to like imbue your kids with imagination, but not have them get too far into fantasy so that they're like not grounded in humanity. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, to me, I would want my kids to be obsessed with history versus like you know random Disney intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, educational, educational entertainment vibes. Um, the kids will definitely have like stuff. It is like educational entertainment. Yeah, you're right. We're like the generation that grew up on like Aragon and stuff, though. Oh, like yeah. like dragon books, fairy books. We also, I think there was a lot of Lord of the Rings still was very yeah, contemporary like... for a while. So I feel like it's kind of a nostalgic thing for a lot of people as well. Also, just want to note that there was a huge uh, resurgence of interest in medieval and fantastical themes in the 90s with Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, the show Charmed. A Knight's Tale. Um, so I think that's also something that people are referencing back to, kind of like the pop culture interpretation of medieval themes in the 90s. It's mm-hmm. really cute to be honest. Like, yeah, I found I a bunch them. of Google. I think Nick Knight did this a lot, the photographer. He would do mm-hmm. uh, a lot of kind of medieval Y2K. Yeah, and the lead singer of Corn had a medieval themed wedding. Yeah, he, but he. That makes a lot of sense. That's also, that's like a whole other subset of aesthetics that medieval core appeals to. It's just kind of like super heavy metal, like kind of like scratchy letters, like emo scene, screamo shit. Like medieval shit just appeals to so many people. It just is such a broad, um, I don't know. I think it's because there's something for everyone within the canon, right? Like dragons, mm-hmm. knights, princesses, mm-hmm. um, also, it's just like the origin of the English language too is is like medieval fantasies, like fucking um Beowulf or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah, like the I first guess, thing. Yeah. I, I guess <laughs> most people like really did grow up in some capacity reading Shakespeare, even if it's just in like ninth grade English. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, we all. That's kind of the origin of our of our storytelling is medieval, like English language storytelling began from 
medieval storytelling with Beowulf and into kind of like the early history of like like you said Shakespeare and can I um, read you guys the description of the renaissance revival by Kari yeah let's hear it it's it's quite cute and succinct I think it says renaissance revival circa very early 90s to late 90s 1990s and millennium Renfair, antique gothic shakespearean slash elizabethan medieval renaissance greco-roman art interpretation magic and fairy tale cultural revival most often mixed with obvious anachronisms runway shows inspired by renaissance fashion a reprinting of shakespeare that utilizes elizabethan style design elements 90s millennium formal attire with fairy tale inspiration Mm. very cute that is very cute. It is honestly kind of epic. That's that's also why I was excited to see in menswear. I don't know why I, I'm not. I swear I'm not like a menswear obsessed person. It just kind of always like comes up on my feet, and I'm interest, interested by it. But I'm I'm really excited that men are wearing like high waisted trousers, and um billowy linen shirts as a combination. I think it's really cool and like chic. I think generally taking historical accuracy and fantasy and melding it into like your modern style is always going to look really good um i I don't know there's there's something going on lately where we talked about this a little bit in the last episode i think with like uh fashion versus dress versus costume and like costume is really tied into the history of like fashion as an industry with like the french court and such but i don't know i'm hoping that people like TikTok is very like pro costume, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that people find a way to get away from that, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. that we're seeing that kind of happen, maybe a bit with like brands with like Elena Velez, who uses a lot of the corsetry that we're talking about right now, but it's not costumey. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's a good example of how people are decostumifying things that are very costumey in our in our mind's eye. I already um mentioned this, but I, I feel like I I long for this. I think in 1999, McQueen did a runway show inspired by the Victorian Arts and Crafts movement, and it was super modern. And I do kind of long for the less conceptual more like studied and academic influences of fashion that old runway shows used to have because I think there's a little bit of that right like I feel like if you ask modern designers like Schiaparelli what the influence behind their shows are they're going to give you some like high-minded intellectual thing but um like in the past I think they were truly influenced by like fashion history proper and I think that's something that like I long for a little bit in like maybe modern runway is like an actual fashion history approach to certain things that might help it a bit be a, a little less costumey right um just kind of like little influences um yeah I guess I wonder if it's because those designers in the 20th century like there just was like a a closer proximity to those fashion trends even if it was like a hundred years ago but now people are reinterpreting their interpretations of those fashion trends you know like being inspired by for example like being inspired by the Galliano collection I mentioned earlier which is inspired by um like a I think 19th century Russian princess that's really true actually 
Because there is, I mean, I'm sure um, by the time, like, the early, like, like the 90s and the early 2000s were going on, most people did not meet anybody from the Victorian era, but there's, like, they very possibly, like, they very possibly, like, it is, like, um like, their great-grandparents or something, like, and there's probably still people, like, living who had some sort of, like, connection or memory to that. So you are right yeah. about that, like, the proximity. Like, now you can't talk to anybody, probably, that could tell you anything about like a lived experience from the Victorian era, you know, like, um, I think one thing also is that just like in terms of fashion academia, I'm sure busy can speak to this more, but like people that are interested in historical dress and costume are kind of lumped more in with like anthropology than with fashion history sometimes. And I think we've hmm. kind of seen this with like the ancestor trend because for a while, fashion history is like a relatively new field and I think like the experts who are like experts in <laughs> wait I feel so stupid right now the people that are experts in Victorian fashion like aren't also like likely to be fashion designers do you know what I mean like they're academics there's like, and they're not separation. Like... there's like a yeah. huge separation it's like yeah when you go to FIT museum you go into the archives like like shout out to all those ladies I love them Seth but they're like wearing like leggings and doc martens they're not wearing like csm student um yeah it doesn't apply to their personal style at all because it is just like an academic interest for the people that are experts in that so i think it's it's hard to balance that with like the actual people that want to wear like a vivian westwood corset do you know what i mean very true i feel like the meeting of those two fields could could be really beautiful like for the runway and stuff um yeah well a lot of a lot of designers still go to like the FIT archives to research for collections mm-hmm. but I guess it also has to do a lot with um actual technique because so much of that inspiration if you're looking at like an archival garment from um literally like the 1700s like you would be inspired by the technique but now it's really hard to translate that to the runway with like the overall lack of interest in couture technique and I think also lack of budget sometimes too yeah that but also like meaning I feel like kind of gets lost a little bit even if you are a fashion designer like looking at archives and like looking at past collections from other designers and historical garments like it would be really helpful I think for big houses to have someone who's like a fashion academic to like fashion explain some things yeah I feel like a free idea for any fashion people listening which I'm sure there are many, but is to like trade in the clickbait style of promotion for your fashion show for some sort of TikTok historical, like simple explanation of like the details and skills that went into your show and like why they matter and why they're relevant. Because I feel like there are actually a lot of tools to like garner interest um, from the general public in like the skill sets and, the, and like you can contextualize a lot of that sort of thing a lot more um than in previous generations but I, like biz said i think budget might actually be an issue with that because i was looking at old shows the other day and i was like whoa like where do they get the money to do these like crazy shit you know it's like i feel like there's not as much funding for um fashion shows exactly and so people do these like cheap gags to promote their shows and kind of uh get like a buzziness around a name but. Yeah, and it's like these collections are being funded like by Isabella Blow. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like there wasn't this pressure from a board 
to have your collection like be under budget and be commercially successful that's true yeah well they sigh yeah they sigh i'm also thinking about runescape that was another big like um oh sorry fantasy nostalgia medieval times moment uh so (laughs) also want to talk about jane austen protagonists i I mean like some of our favorite it girls have been jane austen protagonists such as Mm -hmm. anya taylor joy mia goth was also in the movie emma Elle fanning is not (laughs) i feel like she's been in something that was like jane austen yeah she Um, was in never never mind she's in that sofia coppola movie about the civil war not the mm, same yeah but you see what i mean like all this stuff does kind of blend together in the category in my head of like old shit you know what i mean like she was wearing minimal makeup and like a corset and like a curl was in her hair yeah Yeah. um so we were talking a little bit before we started recording about like the kind of horse girl wait this is sorry i like can't make sense of this like the is this even related to like celtic obsession maybe that can be the gateway into jane austen stuff well i feel like the celtic obsession is still like pretty attached to fantasy whereas jane austen that is like so based in the realities of like class and mm-hmm. england and romance but well, i think that's I was... like a good that's a good yeah division because it's like celtic being scottish and irish versus english being like class-based and yeah. society core mm-hmm. that's very true also like very um yeah, manners core, like comedies of manners. I think generally right now is a time where comedies of manners are really relevant because the pandemic is still in recent history and like kind of re-socializing ourselves and like the trials and tribulations of that can still make like comedies of manners be Wait, really interesting to people. Who's like the really famous Irish author, Walter? No, he's not. He's he's Scottish. That's why. That's why. Oh, okay. But it, I just want to tell you guys in my head, I was like, uh, Sir Walter White, <laughs> like. <laughs> Wait, who are you talking about, though? Um, hmm. I, yeah, I'm I, curious. You'll Walter? definitely have read him. I don't know if it's Walter Pierce. <laughs> oh, Walter Scott. Walter. Yeah, Scott, right? Sir Walter Scott. Yeah. That's why I said Sir I've Walter never, White. Yeah, I've never read Sir Walter Scott. Oh, um, I bought a Sir Walter Scott book in this museum in Edinburgh. Um. it's like the writer museum but anyways i like what you're saying so i actually i have like a lot of this is kind of a a minor area of expertise for me is victorian era literature (laughs) but um it is like really interesting how relevant a lot of it is and i think also like um there's like eras and responses to certain things within like micro trends within the victorian era that really mirror i think modern modern day things i think generally um we have like a very introspective and like self-reflective generation and like culture that has produced um kind of a type of neuroticism that um I think is like similar to wait a really good point on this is like something I was thinking about when we were doing our bleep perfectly imperfect is that um (laughs) like the song like obviously Kate Bush running up that hill was like one of the biggest songs of last year Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. obviously people got back into her music through that because it's such a big hit and then like Wuthering Heights that went viral on TikTok before though yeah yeah Yeah. but like that being her kind of like second I mean that's like her most famous song if you're pre-Stranger Things Mm -hmm. um 
well, I think that there's like there's a connection for sure in my head no, to yeah. this Austin core, Wuthering Heights, Bronte. Well, I think um what's funny is that like a lot of the subject matter and influences in her song were Austin core, but her style of dress was very medieval fairy core. Like yep, the way she would yeah. dress all the time, she would dress like a princess in like a Renaissance tail or something, you know? Yeah. Um, or like a jester and she would wear like red tights. Exactly. Yeah. So I think generally um, the sort of like Anglo history type thing is definitely, there's an intersection with what we were talking about before we were recording, because I think generally girls that have uh grew up really liking Celtic women and by the way context for the listeners Celtic women is like a CD of Celtic women singing um, (laughs) that was like popular in like the Cracker Barrel shop (laughs) discography (laughs) yeah (laughs) for more discography subscribe to our Patreon (laughs) exactly oh yeah I feel like I could really do a good uh Cracker Barrel CD like compilation I spent a lot of time there as a kid. Yeah, there's an overlap between like Celtic interest and like overall world music, new age fascination. Do you guys, you should look up Putumayo CDs. What? Once you oh, see I them, you'll like, know think... what I'm talking about. I know, I know like, what you're talking about. Yeah. It's this brand that in the 2000s, I guess like it started in the 90s, they like put out these CD compilations of just like, everything like my mom had so many of these it's like celtic dreamland but also like acoustic paris brazilian cafe like yeah we have like cuban one. songs of the world reggae like it was a world music i guess publisher but they had a lot of celtic cds as well well i think that that relates to sort of the global south core thing we were talking about where in the 90s after like the fall of the soviet union everyone was kind of grasping for this new global identity and like new and people were kind of um with like the the emerging globalism everyone wanted to look back to like ancient pure like tribal cultures and like celtic cultures i guess you can really relate it back to like the pagans but there's like very little information about paganism in in ireland because they were they were not documenting that shit very well and most of the stuff that we know about it actually come from uh, accounts from colonizers um Ooh. yeah like uh actually julius caesar wrote one of the accounts about celtic culture and he had never been to ireland or he didn't go far enough into ireland into he was like went into england but didn't go far enough into ireland to have any significant contact with any like actual celtic pagans that's and- like when durer <laughs> tried to draw like a hippopotamus without ever seeing one <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. There's something yeah, so about the, the dual tragedy of of Ireland, Ireland combined with their combined with their joyful resistance. I don't I don't really know. Like I'm just thinking of like a woman with a basket on her hip. And this is also a part of the ancestor <laughs> trend that we haven't talked about yet. Is like there is some kind of ancestral body positivity movement going on right now where like body features that are not you know favored by today's beauty climate such as like being thick-waisted I think women are developing a new appreciation for because they're like you know this is like from when my ancestors like withstood a famine so it's good that I'm fat yeah I find that the Irish potato famine um family members of mine would be proud that I have like a thick waist I find that like really I guess positive because I feel like we have seen references to 
you know, the benefits of a body shape outside of aesthetics, but it was always mm-hmm. really perverted in the past few years. It was like, oh, like her childbearing hips or yes. like her like like breeding fetish type thing. And this is m- is much different than that, I think. Yeah, it's like utilitarian in like an irrational way. It's like my body can like withstand starvation in case there's ever like some sort of grand historical moment that defines a generation and culture, you know? Yeah, it's I feel really like grounding. Well, also, yeah. I, I'm seeing a lot of people like referencing like, you know, your facial features are proof that like people have been in love with your features for like countless generations or something. Oh, oh that's so cute. Just being <laughs> romantic about the fact that like you are alive <laughs> or something like that. There's like a the indomitable human spirit is definitely trending these days. Yeah, it really is. I've yeah. been feeling that a lot. I feel I'm like feeling it. I feel like I should just describe for the listeners a description of what this trend is from Mashable because we'll definitely link it in the description. But like, yeah, it's required viewing. Yeah, it's required listening. viewing. But basically, this trend is informally known as the ancestor trend. Um, and in these videos, creators don makeshift costumes and conduct imaginary <laughs> conversations with their ancestors <laughs> through their so captions. <laughs> about how their lives have and haven't changed with the passage of time i think the one that went most viral was from a woman archaeologist and it's like her being like me in 2023 thinking about how much i love crab and then it flashes back to her being her ancestor being like oh you eat crab too i bang it (laughs) on a rock to open it up and she's like oh we don't do that anymore but it's still it sure is hard to open um and then it has kind of some like poetic resounding music in the back right and then i found it yeah, the yeah. Is that <laughs> song is? Honestly really random yeah that's what all of them are yeah, yeah you're right wait um, what song is that child no idea is it celtic it's it just folksy celtic. i would say it really sounds like celtic. like female version of like the lumineers honestly Okay. But it might be. Hold on, let me look this up because I actually want to. I want to hear this. Um, oh, it's by Ren Weaver. Do you know who that is? She's kind of like neo folk vibes, but like mm-hmm. in the most like Forever Twenty One mm-hmm. way ever. I mean, like a lot of Celtic songs go viral on TikTok, and also like the whole like sea shanty thing. Like yeah, definitely TikTok wait. is reviving a lot of lost musical. Okay, I just want to say I just looked up Ren Weaver. The first thing that comes up of her is her wearing elf ears and having really long hair. And then yeah, the caption period. says, are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> and it looks like this is from Halloween, but she's definitely giving mid-90s renaissance. Yeah, wow. it's like really epic. I was saying before the podcast that like, um, weird, the girls very aptly compared it to Gilmore Girls, that there's a sort of dynamic that I remember and recall from girls that were really into like medieval um medieval core fairy core celtic core like austin core type things before they were named as such but um like kind of the dynamic of like their mother is kind of like was like a bad girl back in the 80s or or the 70s or something and and the daughter is just kind of like this goody two shoes like i think alexi called it like hussy mom nerd daughter like thing (laughs) which i think it is kind of like it is kind of like a really um nostalgic thing for me because i think i was always friends with girls like this um yeah, it's like Barnes and Noble daughter. Them. Yeah, like, I was a little bit of a Barnes Noble girl. Um, I was. I I love going there. So yeah, cool. that's where yeah, I, my fun. family would abandon me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the amount of hours I spent alone in Barnes and Noble because <laughs> they were like, yeah, why would they feel comfortable? 
<laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's because like it's a kid section. I feel yeah. yeah. So it's But like I feel like the people there were doing like unpaid childcare. Like I literally yeah. was always there alone as a kid. That's so true. But they always had like a cool like little stage and stuff, and you could go like I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like we saved Um. a lot of money because I would just like read books but not buy them. But also, how was that? No wonder the Barcelona in my town closed down. It's now a Nordstrom rack because no one was Sad. buying books. They were just dropping their nerdy kids there and like letting them read the books for free. <laughs> yeah. No, Starbucks there was awesome. So Yeah, good. That brings you I would poise. definitely eat milk and cookies there. I feel like they had like Mm-hmm. st special items that they didn't have at the regular Starbucks. Yeah, The they secret did. Barnes Um, and Noble menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but back to this trend. What what is there to say about this? My favorite ones are the ones that actually cite specific diaries from women at the time or like archaeological um, findings. Like there was a really good one that was like a woman in 2022 really fucks up a recipe and like burns cheese on a pot. And then she's like <laughs> going to go bury it outside. And then like a woman from like the 1600s or whatever is like, are you going to go bury the evidence? She's like, yeah. And then it shows like, it's <laughs> It's like archaeological finding of the, <laughs> like a burnt pot with cheese that a woman buried in her backyard. <laughs> that one is really funny to me because like imagining a woman doing that back in the day is like kind of a Yeah. lull. Yeah, Dude, cuz it's also so it's true. like it probably took them like 6 months to make that pot. Yeah, and it also like it must have been a massive fuck up back then to burn cheese and ruin like your one pot. Literally, yeah, it's like you have to go to the blacksmith after saving money for like 10 years to get like this Yeah. like one pot. You have to travel like a thousand miles to the nearest blacksmith or something. Um yeah, that's a huge fucker. I'm glad that like now I can go get like my um like cancer causing nonstick pan from like the nearest grocery store for like ten dollars in case something Yeah, bad happens make to my some Bosch current fondue. honestly like i feel like people speaking out on teflon being bad has something to do with this Yeah, obviously i know that like cast I agree. iron cast iron skillets got really trendy in the 2010s um as kind of like a bon appetit symptom but Mm i've been seeing a lot of teflon hate these days and it must be connected -hmm. Yeah, they're saying like steel pans are who the was next i talking thing. to about how if you have a if you have a bird you can't use non-stick pans because like if you cook something in a non-stick pan and you have a bird the bird will like instantly die You're That's kidding. crazy. Damn. I really need to get rid of all my nonstick pans. I just like don't know. I'm gonna I got a little Sirla top gift card for Christmas from someone, so I might just go and use it and buy a steel pan. Because like, you just scared me. If like the bird dies whenever I use that's like insane. Where did I hear this? I feel like it was on the Yeah. subway or something. They have a lot of them at Costco as well. Like stainless <laughs> steel pans that are I think probably really? pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, my dad bought me a set when I went to college. Oh, that's so nice. I need to go look I feel for like, that. yeah, we're we're definitely equipped to use um, Stainless steel. stuff like that because we're girls who love like fat, oil, and butter. So as long as you're using that, like you don't really need a nonstick pan. Yeah, I So you got you true. gotta have like a butter tray primed next to the to the the oven, the stove. Yeah, nonstick pans were an almond mom invention to like avoid using oil, I think. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Conversely, Yeah. the almond moms are the ones that are like really freaked out about nonstick pans. I'm like, you guys created this problem. Yeah. <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> that's That is true. that's that on that mama. Yeah. Yeah, because it is true. Do you guys remember that, like, that original <laughs> food TikToker, Jeremy? Jeremy Sheck. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy Sheck eats. He would make, like, a little recipe for, like, eggs or something. And he'd be like, I'm using my stainless steel pan, but, like, 
you have to put butter in it or it won't work and I like when people say stuff like that same I like I saw I use this like trick that I saw on TikTok where like you throw throw a little bit of water on the stainless steel pan and it just kind of marbles instead of like burns away and that's when it's like ready to cook and I was like that's like so cool and really satisfying I love um an interactive um surprise in any like household object I have and that's like a that's why I always when I'm frying chicken or something I'll always put like well I eat a lot of popcorn but I'll put like a corn kernel to see when it's hot enough and then you get a free piece of popcorn with the chicken (laughs) I just got I just got really back into popcorn me and Harry just bought a so much popcorn because we forgot mm. about popcorn we like totally it's forgot about it and so... then we were like oh shit like popcorn exists <laughs> like palomitas it's like everything. the best thing ever mm. palomitas yeah um should we talk about the overall trend of white american people reclaiming their heritages because this is like a bit of a separate trend but there's also a trend on tiktok where it's like um wearing these little braids to feel more connected to my like nordic heritage or something have you guys been seeing um, that type of thing yes yeah and what do the ladies think what's the I, ladies I, make of it i yeah i don't know i think it's um people becoming aware of like the violence i mean to say violence is like a very relative term but like i i have seen a lot of discourse of like white immigrants kind of mourning the loss of culture due to assimilation uh and trying to like reconnect with that but their parents like not being helpful at all and so like it's been kind of heartwarming to see like tiktok comment sections like sharing resources on how to you know get into your um nordic history but what's funny is looking back in time like the problematic like like there was like a period of time where it's definitely like maybe a little bit taboo or misunderstood or people were like not well educated on like what it is to kind of like have sort of like immigrant like white heritage or whatever and people maybe would raise their eyebrows at that but I feel like that was just a really brief period of like confusion like there's like a cloud of confusion that came in for like three or four years and it didn't really have that much of like a huge impact I think because Especially here in in Texas and stuff. I even just drove to San Antonio the other day with my boyfriend and um, we stopped at like German lodges and stuff where people try to maintain like the original Texas German language. Um, And also, you know, there's like this like uh, historical connection between like polka and Tejano music that people really like to kind of continue doing. I just think um, like in certain regions, there's definitely like a more connection to like historical immigration that's like not really necessarily problematic but i think for sure like some of those some of those societies i think that's because that immigration pattern is like somewhat niche but i think it's people i think the overall macro attitude towards this kind of thing in the 2000s was kind of making fun of just like a random white guy from ohio for being like i'm scottish or like i'm irish or something like that um it was kind of seen as like yeah like podunk behaviors i think to really harp on your your european heritage even though you were just like a random white american but now i think people are really changing their tune on that yeah i think the reactionary thing of like getting in touch with your white ancestors 
kind of has to do with the fact that people are seeing how like lack of connection to like an actual culture is used as a tool of white supremacy because like if you feel like you don't have any um like ancestral lineage you can connect to you'll just like gravitate towards like being proud of being white which is just yeah. like obviously not good um because like yeah i just remember there being a bunch of viral tumblr posts it's like you know it's okay to be like irish pride and like um you know chinese pride and stuff but like once you get into the territory of white pride like that's like like what are you being proud of it's not like the same vibe yeah i feel like those things got so blurred in like the trump administration though because Mm -hmm. like saying you had like irish pride and to some people was like kind of like a dog a dog whistle for your suspicious white supremacist beliefs perhaps because Mm -hmm. like you said some of that some of that language did get co-opted by white supremacist groups um in terms of like being proud of your 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 celtic roots basically yeah i think i just i'm a little wary of this conversation a little bit because there's like a lot there's like a much longer history of this like especially in the 90s and stuff with like the rise of white supremacist groups then in the 1950s and 60s like there were like groups that and like I'm just like not well educated enough on like the different groups especially like in the south that used their own like kind of immigrant heritage as like a weapon to discriminate against other people and there's also it's just kind of like a, a, a talking point that like I'm not super familiar with but I've heard a lot kind of like how during like confederate flag discourse there was like oh this is like our history it's just like I'm like a history buff or whatever and I just like this actually happened to me I might actually just tell the story on air but this is like a fucked up kind of thing that happened to me also where I went to an antique mall in New Braunfels Texas and I like uh went up to this guy and I was like talking to him and I was like trying to buy these like civil war bullets from him because they were like a dollar and I was like everything was really expensive so I was like might as well leave with this like fake bullet or whatever (laughs) and then my boyfriend came up to me and was like looking at me all weird and I was like and the guy was like oh like I only take cash like I don't take card and I like looked at my boyfriend I was like can I like can I like borrow a dollar or whatever like I, I just like want to buy this bullet and my boyfriend looked at me like so weird <laughs> and I was like what like it's a dollar like you know what I mean I was like what do you do and like he paid and then we walked away and Harry my boyfriend was like Sam that guy was a Nazi and he was like a straight up Nazi like he had like like a bunch of like Nazi symbols like all over his jacket and stuff and it just like did not click with me um and I like my boyfriend is Jewish also. So I was like, I just made my Jewish boyfriend buy me a civil war bullet from a Nazi, oh like a, totally on accident. It was literally like the worst. I felt so bad. And I like threw it away, like in protest. I was like, I'm a Jewish ally. And I like threw away like the civil war bullet, like all dramatically. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that guy. But I don't know. It is like a tricky territory in general because there is like so many weird intersections with like personal history and white supremacy that I feel like it's like a way more complex conversation than just like, I don't know the way that like I feel like things were talked about during the Trump administration because it's like still an existing thing you know um and like uh it is like unfortunately one of the downfalls of being a history buff there's like even an episode of peep show about this like history buffs meets like Nazi on accident or whatever Mm. but um it is just kind of like one of the downfalls of it but I don't think that a fear of of these types of people should um dispel you or like make you like not want to like seek out like some sort of historical understanding because i think historical understanding is the the only way that you can really combat these types of people but 
yeah sorry that was like such a long tirade um no I liked it but yeah that was interesting yeah it's, it's just like a be careful who you buy antiques from I know it's like you go into the <laughs> antique uh flea market and like who am I gonna find here it's either like a really nice lady named Missy or that guy <laughs> yeah I mean New Braunfels is like in the middle of nowhere so mm-hmm. like um it's known for like the snake farm petting zoo Oh, that's crazy. That's like, that's like, yeah. Sounds like a sinister location. Yeah, Ray Wiley Hubbard wrote a song about it. It's called, it's like Snake Farm. It just sounds nasty. Snake Farm. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like, oh, a song about how gross the snake farm is. Um, Yeah. But like, on that point, though, like, I do think that the first wave of tradification was like about looking to a specific lifestyle that you might not even have a historical connection to so like the american pastoral or like the devout catholic wife or like the russian girl in um siberia or something like that but i feel like this trend is all about connecting with your personal history so it, it's it's mm-hmm. definitely a development of this like uh of this behavior yeah, yeah. And i think it's also a bit main character which is it, it's all synchronizing I think that personal genealogy is good and it can serve a lot of purposes, but you just need to like be realistic about it. Like um, as much as we would all like to believe that like our ancestors are like very heroic and cool, like sometimes they're not. <laughs> so sure believe not. in the bustedness of your ancestors, but just know that, um, yeah, I don't know. The ancestor trend is like very, it's, I'm glad that it's so positive. Yeah. Should we do what you got? There's like kind of um, Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Oh, first of all, I would say actually, I want to make two more points. Oh, please go ahead. They're really quick. They like they honestly, you guys don't even say anything back, which is that Rudy talked about this a bit, but I do like how this this trend is really in line with like the bigger trend of wearing layered fabric because I've been seeing a lot mm-hmm. of amateur trend forecasts talking about how like ruching is going to be really big this year and like how these like weird pockets of volume on skirts kind of like bustles are going to be big this year or even just like the overall long skirt trend with high leather boots yes um i've been Mm -hmm. seeing that pop up in every kind of trend forecast for 2023 so yeah a a nice little pipeline of uh consumer behavior Mm -hmm. no that's true yeah i like um flowy comfortable clothing um that that that's something that I've been kind of waiting to because we've had a lot of like ruffles and like um kind of like maximalist like layering of fabrics trending for a while but I do think like um a more casual like take on it is really fun just like comfortable especially with the approach of summer I think it's really cool to have just like comfortable layering of fabric to start trending because it, it gives very yeah. like um like laying in a hammock and like a really glamorous air airy linen you know yes wearing stuff like that in the summer is so freeing i probably have gone on this rant before on the podcast but like i had this phase where i was like kind of hiking i guess but i would always wear really long skirts or like dresses and everyone would look at me like i was a freak on the hiking trails because they were all wearing like skin tight fabletics sets and like sneakers and shit but the fact is that historical clothing like this like even though it looks so costumey and we associate it with formality, it is pretty easy to move around in. And people wore this type of stuff to do things that like we can't even imagine doing today. Like the type of clothes you could like 
ride a horse in and then go to the bar and then walk like 40 miles like give birth yeah True. so take it out of your tiktok and start wearing shit like this in real life i don't know yeah that's my, that's my no, motto no. it's literally so much more freeing and so much easier to move in than like leggings do you know what i mean and yeah. you can literally you can hike in pretty much any clothing yesterday i went on a hike and i saw this girl wearing like super high heels like and she was like walking around in her heels <laughs> like on the hike and i was like damn it was like so cool i, I thought yeah. it was really cool. and i wore my jazz shoes on that hike which is like arguably like worse yeah capitalism's trying to gatekeep nature from you by like insisting that you need specialty clothing to hike and enjoy mm-hmm. it but like you can just wear whatever and then you can also get really cute pictures yeah if you wear clothes that you Guys, actually want to wear i feel like we have to ca- caveat this is for like the local hike on the hill not like you like the sierra nevada because yeah. i feel like I, I always see these horrible crime stories about people who don't wear the right gear when they go hiking and then they die so yeah what true where no it's not it's probably just because they didn't have water or something no well i guess it's because it's like cold and then they die because it's really cold oh but oh i just wanted to say that a really good reference for the listeners is alexander mcqueen's spring summer 2003 colloquially known to me as his winchcore collection it's like the most it's one of the most beautiful collections oh yes mama yes mama yeah on my Instagram highlights, I have a picture from this collection where it's like this really weird leather finger holder that has like uh, little sh- leather strings wrapped around the hand. It's very strange, but beautiful, whimsical winch core. This is a collection of the famous the famous oyster dresses from that yes. Kim Kardashian destroyed with her fat ass. Oh, God, this is such a, yummy, yummy, yummy. a beautiful collection. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that to the, to the destruction. Just oysters. I'm sorry. Edit that out, please. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, would you rather? Okay. So maybe we'll start with the McQueen collection. Oh, I know. Would you guys rather own the Alexander McQueen Spring 2003 collection, or probably have to, the the Galliano Spring 94 collection? Oh, and the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, and the whole thing. Including the models. <laughs> Just have the whole thing recreated, like, in your house. Yeah, definitely McQueen. Because, mm. actually, you know, no I think true. I might have to do... I might have to do Galliano, because my body type, it just wouldn't look... It doesn't look good with, with McQueen's, even though I like it better. Actually, no, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with McQueen. I feel like I could I could figure something out. Um, I figure it out. McQueen's has a very Mad Max-esque sensuality to it. But also that's mm-hmm. just the stance. I would say that um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Galliano for today. I just oh, I love it. I love it. That picture of Kate Moss is insane. But there are some that are slightly more wearable. Um, some that are like clingy silk dresses. Yeah, that aren't so huge and crazy. I would go with Galliano as well because me likey. Um, and I've had a. I think for this collection for a while, I guess. But yeah, the accessories okay. are also just really Yeah, and it's it's so cute with like the pastel hair as well. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Wait, we haven't even talked about Marie Antoinette, but I really oh, I feel like she's oh, a different yeah. she's a different bitch. Like mm-hmm. yeah. she's somewhere else. Cause she's way more aligned with like the coquette <laughs> fantasy, which there's all yeah. these no, I mean like the, like the movie. I feel like that movie is like the biggest period piece in coquette history or something yeah true. definitely true it was rent free on the mood boards but 
but I guess that like the Austin core is still kind of like the dowdy sister of like the Marie Antoinette Sofia Coppola so mm-hmm. maybe we'll do something more on that more specific genre yeah aristocracy as a reference I think is just it's more it's a little bit more interesting than royalty like the royal element of Bridgerton is I think what made it so corny do you know what I mean yeah I agree yeah um okay well would you guys rather have to wear the Amazon corset every day or you have to have like the really tightly wound Regency era face framing curl bangs which I guess Sam this is a bit of a different question for you but yeah what do you think okay no okay no think about it this way your hairstyle it's not you don't actually have the hair that you have now you have their hair me does that make me? sense like we all and have Alexi, yeah <laughs> yeah all of us like we all have oh. yeah like we're all basically putting on a wig that is like jane austen slash bridgerton hair i'm yeah. looking at the yeah. pictures from emma and that's like the reference i'm using yes for... i would use the because i just think my face and I mean, I feel like um everybody was born with like the hair texture that I'm like I'm all I don't know not to be like spiritual or whatever, but I'm like your hair texture probably looks really good on you. You don't you don't need to change it. So I feel like I would go with the face framing curls because curls mm. just look good on me. I think you know. No, Sam, these also, are different. Yeah, these are these are built different. Yeah, let me let me <laughs> Wait, take, let me take a look. Send actually, it, send it to the chat, Alexi. I feel like you're looking yeah, at it for me. Oh, these. No, I would, I would do this. I would do this. Mm. Oh God, but it's so yeah. No, it's fucking weird. I don't know how I dress. Or, like, <laughs> it looks okay. It looks okay oh. on Anya Taylor Joy, like her heart shaped face in Widow's Peak. Like I think she looks cute, but on Mia Goth in this movie, it makes her look so stupid, and like it's comical, somewhat. I wonder what I would look like this. I have a widow. I have a really crazy Widow's Peak. Um. But I feel like that that actually I have like an insane like crazy crazy one so like like a the, the sprays of curls behind the ear it does have a kind of floral look it's like baby's breath or something but uh, I don't know yeah I I I would say I would no I don't <laughs> this is all... <laughs> I think it looks cute um, no actually I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the hair okay because the amazon corset literally makes your waist look bigger than it actually is yeah mm-hmm. i just feel like it would be so uncomfortable because it's so improperly made yeah true um, yeah i guess what, I would what, what do about the, you Biz? i guess i would do the curls as well just because i feel like it would be just be like the feeling of wearing a bra that doesn't fit but like times a thousand if you're wearing that every day yeah mm-hmm. because well, you, have guys, very, you have a very you have a very period accurate face i feel like I saw a TikTok recently of like period piece makeup tutorial, and I was like, "This is just what this looks like naturally, like flushed cheeks and like so nice. rosy lips." True. And also that skin. photo of that photo of your ancestor, Biz. You need uh, to post yeah. that. Like, oh yeah, you invented the ancestor beautiful. trend. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, guys. You need to that... post that because it's like so epic. Oh, I guess it's just it's giving, I don't know, crazy lineage vibes. Um, Wait, I, I really need to leave soon, guys. Okay, okay, okay. So, I guess that could be our last question then. That's that's a, that's a good one to end on, I think. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like an ancestor trend to do with podcasting, where it's like my ancestors watching me podcast. Like, oh, like people still listen to the radio, and then me being like, no, not really. Like, cause I'm actually, just have you heard of Transistor? You <laughs> an anchor Um, yeah. Have you heard of Patreon? Wait, have you guys done a twenty three and me? I'm actually, I'm actually curious if you've done a twenty three and me because. 
because I was thinking about doing one. I refuse to do it because I just am not. I like living in the ethnic fantasy that I've created for myself. But my sister's done it, so I guess I, I know what's going on. Mm, okay. I haven't done yeah, one. I was thinking about doing one this year. But I feel like, okay, on my mom's side of the Why family, I don't really know. Because I, I don't know. Just because I'm going to drive up your insurance premium and shit like the whole the ethics of it are really dodgy and Wait, then you're going to be put into like the criminal database. Yeah, the privacy agreement and all this stuff is really whack. That's yeah, also heard, the reason I would never do it. I've heard of all of these. Things like they before, sell your but... DNA. They like own it. Yeah. No, you're right. That's down bad yeah. evil. You're right. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. I feel like, yeah. I don't know. My uncle has the one that came on the podcast. He, he's like written genealogy books about our family and like. You can learn about the pre-existing conditions by seeing what they died from. I know exactly. Know? They all died from yeah, like murder or alcoholism. Just do some oral history. That's like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty rare for two people to have like two esta- parents with like very established pedigrees, unless you're like Blair Waldorf, you know. Yeah. Like Mayflower vibes and you, you your marriage is like an intentional marriage. True. No, that's okay, very true. Well, um thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of the podcast um any announcements guys anything interesting we want to end with oh go listen to our three dudes episode subscribe yeah subscribe to our patreon all right but i wonder when that's gonna be out yeah shout out to dewey dudes maybe they're listening maybe they're not but it was so actually like so fun going on their podcast we had a really good time and we want you guys to go listen to theirs so go check out their episode and subscribe to our Patreon. Shout out to the Doodingtons. The Doodingtons. Oh, we stand. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, go subscribe to our Patreon. Um, and we would really appreciate it. We'll give you a little kiss on the forehead. Yes. Lots of love. <laughs>